Welcome one, welcome all. It is the Redleaf Retrocast, Retro Gaming Edition. The OG cast is here to play. Yeehaw. <sighs> you guys excited? I'm excited. For sure, yep. Filled with excitement. All right. <laughs> so, this is a special cast, just like all the others from there before. I'm joined here with Colin. Hello. And my buddy Tori from the Anime Cast. Woo! How are you doing, Tori? I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Here to become and best Tori, host here. Why? Oh well, you are the best <laughs> host already somewhere else. But why are you on the Retro Gaming Cast of all things? Uh, that's a very, very good question. I was you asked. Don't like video games? <laughs> well, that's putting it harshly. But I don't play a whole lot of video games, especially not retro games. Uh, I don't know. You asked me. I said sure. Why not? Well, the main reason is because of today's topic. We're, our theme sure. is anime video games. Retro, of course, since it's the retro cast. And before we get started, let's just go over the agenda here for our uh, not only just our live listeners, but also those listening at home or in their car, wherever they listen to their cast. In a, in a little bit here, we're going to talk, talk about one of, some of the games we've been playing and just kind of shoot the shit for about, eh, I don't know, 10 minutes or whatever. Then we're going to go into some topical news uh, with what's going on in the wide world of gaming. Cool. And then we'll get on, get into our theme. So trying a little bit different, trying some things different here where we uh, just like to go a little bit quicker. Uh, no more four-hour podcasts. I say that even though the wrestling podcast just came out this past week and it went two minutes lower or less than uh, the longest recorded Redley Fretrocast of all time, the Evangelion episode. <laughs> <laughs> Week, so it was just short. I was almost convinced that upon finishing it, it was it was the longest ever. How how mistaken I was. Ah, but that's neither here nor there. Tori, what have you been playing in your wonderful life? Well, you know, apart from uh, apart from some rhythm games and whatnot, I've been playing uh, Slate Aspire, which is a kind of a roguelike slash card game game put mm-hmm. together. So, it's like roguelikes, like uh, Binding Classic and stuff like that, where essentially what you do is you're uh, kind of climbing up this, uh, you're cli- climbing floors, climbing up the, up a whatever tower, spire, whatever. You're going up there, slaying monsters on your way, building the best deck you possibly can. Uh, yeah. Basically just trying to beat all the bosses and win. That's cool. it. See. It's a lot of fun. Uh, still in early access and probably will be for quite a while, but uh, <laughs> it's constantly being updated and yeah. Megacrit has done an in- incredible job with that game, even though it won't ever release. <laughs> <laughs> Is it um what kind of game am I what what game am I thinking of? Uh Hearthstone? Is it anything like that or Yeah, like I like I said, it's it's Hearthstone meet meets roguelike, yeah, like, so it is it is a deck building game. You do build you do build decks, different cards, different abilities, different attacks, different defensive cards, and basically the entire point of the game is just can you build a strong enough deck uh, to survive your way all the way up and face the different the different bosses. The catch there is that there are certain uh, there are 
kind of you have a few different options for playstyle, and then obviously you have a bit of RNG as to do you actually get the cards you need, uh, and when you need them at like at the right time. Do you because you get new cards or you can add new cards by defeating enemies, um, and uh, obviously n- not all the time you don't get get the cards you want for your type of deck. Uh, Naturally, so that obviously kind of dooms your run. And then to put it more fun, you can have very you can create a very strong deck only to come up against an enemy that is, or a boss enemy that is literally the hard counter to your playstyle. Then it's also going to put the t- put the put a test to your uh, to how good you are at actually playing the game. <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of like an actual card game. Yeah, um, reminds me of uh, the premise of Yu-Gi-Oh. If we're on the gaming anime yeah. <laughs> type comparison there. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Nah, but How long have you been playing this now? Because I'm noticing on Steam here, it says uh, release date November 14th, 2017. <laughs> yeah, I started playing it in 2018. I started playing it probably less than a month ago, and I've put in over 35 hours into this game. So Oh, wow. So you're definitely addicted. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Just kind of trying to construct new, new, uh, new decks, try new characters. Just fun. There's even... There are like uh, Megacrits even cooperating with like the mod community. There's a big mod community for this game, so there's a lot there I could also get into if I if I want to. I haven't done that yet, but yeah. You should definitely get into the mods for sure. Oh yeah, well, there's a whole set of new characters, new cards, everything. Alrighty, well, Colin, what have you been playing? Uh, pretty much all of my. Spare gaming time has been spent playing Dead Cells. Oh, well, okay. Just, uh, just kind of introduce the game because I've also been playing that, and uh, we're gonna save definitely the more hardcore opinions for the modern gaming podcast. But what, what's Dead Cells about? It's basically this uh, Metroidvania-style roguelike-type game. You're basically this big, this lump of. Uh, whatever the hell it is it's just like this organism who takes over the body of a of a dead warrior by putting itself in where his head used to be and then you go through all these different stages fighting like zombies and monsters and all sorts of different things collecting different weapons along the way as well as blueprints that you can use to spend mm-hmm. the titular dead cells on to create new weapons or upgrade your current stats it's essentially like dark souls meets rogue legacy and it is a lot of fun very addicting it is very addicting um just as a loose uh comparison no i don't want to i want to say i don't want to say comparison um as a loose description of the difficulty, because what I find in, in a lot of roguelike games is uh, the the journey to the end, because that's what ultimately what the goal of a roguelike game is, because uh, it doesn't feel like you're ever progressing, because when you die, you go back to the beginning, and you start completely over. Yeah. Uh, so it's the journey of you getting better, and that progression system gets you to the end. Uh there was a game I just played on the Modern Cast for the the most recent episode uh, that came out at the beginning of August. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember the name, but it had a, like an economic aspect to it. The difference between what made 
what what's making Dead Cells so fun to that game is the progression system in Dead Cells always makes it feels like it always makes it feel like you're you are actually progressing and it's not yeah. there's no system that feels broken. Everything feels fair. Yeah. Uh I I've I've um I've only reached the halfway point technically in the game because I was just curious to see how many levels there were and whatnot. Uh I I've I'm I'm still not past the midway point, uh, which is the first like major boss battle. Yeah. Yeah, I managed to Yeah, beat that big recently. dude with sword that throws fire and everything. Uh yeah, that yeah, once you get him halfway through health, he just kind of wrecks my shit every time. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just seem to be underpowered getting to that point all the time. Ah uh, yeah. Which kinda sucks. Uh but yeah, I really like Dead Cells too. I can't wait to talk about it for the modern gaming cast, which should we should be recording here in the next week or so. Cool. And yes, it was entirely due to the IGN plagiarism controversy that I even know about this game to begin with, but I don't care. This is about the game itself, and it's great. <laughs> Fun times. It, yeah, that yeah, that was a that was a thing that happened in the news. But whatever. <laughs> incidentally, who ca- incidentally, who looks at, who goes to IGN anymore anyways to look at reviews? I just look <laughs> at the number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Incidentally, oh. the, the title itself, Dead Cells is just one of those titles I find fun just to say out loud mm-hmm. like dead space or I know, flip, I know what you mean or flip flappers or battle mage and to an extent wolfenstein <laughs> wolfenstein yeah <laughs> yeah i also like how every level feels unique and different it's not just here's your lava stage here's your forest stage here's yeah. your desert stage yeah they got a, a uh, like a toxic sewer stage a uh, a fallen warrior stage. It just goes on like that. Every every I, I can't think of a mo- another modern game that's unique in so many ways like that. Uh, and then just kind of playing off other games of the genre. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we talk more about Dead Cells, we got to save something for the for the other cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been playing Fire Pro Wrestling for uh. Also, the modern gaming cast, but I've been I've been hyped for that game for probably a year since they announced it was coming to console. Ah, yeah. <clears throat> if a game's coming to console, I'm getting that over Steam every day, all day. Uh, it's it's just I don't know whether it's the community involved that I like more, or I just like the fact that it's on console. I don't. Who knows? Cool. Um, games the most addicting wrestling game I've played since Here Comes the Pain in the early 2000s. Uh, but you guys aren't wrestling fans, so I won't I won't keep you uh, keep you bored. But if you are a wrestling fan, uh, I can't recommend the game enough. Uh, definitely get it over WWE 2K19 that's coming out. <laughs> I can already tell you it's Fire Pro Wrestling. It's a better game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did beat, however, Octopath Traveler finally. Nice. I finally completed it. It took me uh, 72 and a half hours <laughs> to beat that game. So how is beat it overall? RPG. Oh, see, man, I feel like I've been talking about this game all summer, uh, at least since July when it came out. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, so it's only been a couple months, but I, I seem to talk about it in every cast since it's, since its release. So that that's a good sign, at least. Um, <laughs> uh, story-wise, it's very weak. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's only... So there's four chapters for each of the eight characters, <clears throat> and... At the end of the fourth chapter for only uh, a couple characters, 
those two have a, a common kind of thread that came together. Um, mm-hmm. So that was just a nice little one-liner that they threw out there uh, to, to thread the stories. And then there was another two characters that had their own thread that uh, had the story come for them. Uh, everyone else seemed to have their own little journey. It, it didn't make sense to why this party was together in the first place or why they stayed together, especially once you... Th- this was weird, because once once you complete a chapter, then it's like, oh, you're done, and uh, they they wrap a story... You know, they wrap their version of their, their, their story up, and really, they, they, they have no reason to ever leave, like, their town where they started, but yet you still have them in your party. Uh, <laughs> there's still banter between characters. I, I I almost wish that there was a mechanic in the game at the end where, uh, just like how you start, you slowly get your party together. When you get to those last chapters, or your party slowly goes away. I thought that would have been a cool cool mechanic that oh, they could have yeah. put in. I think I think it would have added some difficulty to the end game. And then when it's all said and done, you can like get your uh, party back together again, kind of like a, a post game content. But they didn't do that. Ah. So I found myself really overpowered for, like, the last six of the eight chapters Hmm. just from playing the game. There was minimal grinding at all once I completed, uh, I want to say, the last couple of chapter three. So I still had a good fourth of the game left, and I was just blasting my way through it uh, with no real difficulty at all. I... I did start with Theory and the Thief, so I was just stealing weapons through everyone in town, so I never found myself really having to grind for money or or grind for uh <clears throat> grind through different like level caves to get these stronger weapons. I just had them already because I was just stealing it the whole time. Every time I came across a purple chest, I you know, I already had Therian in my party, so I just opened the chest. <coughs> it definitely was an RPG light. It's a good RPG for people that uh, like the genre and uh, don't like how a lot of these JRPGs have an incredible amount of difficulty and grind to them. So I, I think that's what I liked about it the most was I, I it, it, it definitely gave me a good casual play. Cool. So uh, story-wise, it's one of the most weak I've played in a long time, though, unfortunately. Ah, too bad. Yeah. Um, Tori, are you familiar with Octopath Traveler or the uh, the talk of the town, so to say? Uh, I've heard about it, but I have no interest in it. <laughs> yeah, J- JRPGs don't sound like your thing, are they? I mean, I do play Persona and whatnot, so. But mm. uh, <laughs> that's right, you did play Persona. You played the shit out of that game. Yep. But as for uh, like, it's not something I focus on. Like, I never, I never grew up with the. Uh, with JRPGs of any kind, in fact, we mm. we usually never got them anyway. So it's kind of like where I where I hear everybody's like, "Oh, Final Fantasy." I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Was that? <laughs> what that? <laughs> never heard of. Uh, never heard of it. Uh, nah, it's there now, but wasn't really <clears throat> wasn't really something anybody talked about when I was a kid. Right, right, right. Well, alrighty then. Well, then why don't we uh, why don't we move on to the topics of the day as I play uh, the Pokemon Battle music? Cool. 
Okay, so some good uh good topics came out. <clears throat> good news. And yes. uh, I think uh, I think uh, Colin, I think I, you might be interested in this, uh, especially since we just covered uh, Streets of Rage on a past podcast episode fairly recently, uh, the beat 'em ups episode in particular. Oh yeah, uh, Streets of Rage Four was announced. And it's by the same uh, devs that remade Wonder Boy, uh, the Dragon's Trap <clears throat> uh, remake. So the game, I have some hope for this game. Uh, oh, yeah. Before, Colin, I ask you directly, Tori, have you played Streets of Rage before? Nope, I have not. Uh, I, have a th- I have a feeling I'm going to ask you all the all these questions and you just be like, nope, nope, nope. So, <laughs> uh, Tori, bear with me, but Colin. Yes. <laughs> Are you excited for Streets of Rage 4? Because every YouTuber, retro gamer, whatever, is just obviously overreacting to it. I'm on the side of caution, personally. But I do have hope. What about yourself, Colin? Eh, I'm interested. Like you said, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I don't know if I'll buy it upon release, but it looks looks like it's staying pretty faithful for, to the original, original games. Have I mean, you seen uh, scre- screenshots of it? Uh, a couple. I think, okay. Can't remember what the characters' names are, but it it looks to be pretty. Looks to have kind of a modern yeah, look, it, but at the same time, keeping it retro. It, it's got this, it, yeah. It's got this keeping it retro, cell shaded type uh, look to it. It's got a lot of neon type colors. It really reminds me of Double Dragon Neon. Oh yeah. Uh, how they remade that game. Uh, I, wa- I personally I wasn't a fan with it. It was just okay. Uh, Streets of Rage Four, uh, because if you're not familiar with the Wonder Boy Dragon's Trap remake, uh, it was an incredibly faithful, uh, like twenty. When did it come out? Twenty sixteen or seventeen? One of those two, <laughs> two years. Uh, remake of. A remaster, reimagining, I guess, of uh, the original Wonder Boy game. So, I have the utmost confidence in the developers, but if history tells us anything, uh, with all these fours that have come out, uh, you could even say um, Final Fight, Final Fight, yeah, Final Fight 4, Sonic the Hedgehog 4, that definitely comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fours tend to not do so well. Ah, yeah. And the community involved, uh, as hyped as they get to it, when the game actually comes out, take Double Dragon Neon. That's a that's a great example. Um, it's it's it gets okay reviews, but the community doesn't tw- quite buy into it. Ah, yeah. Uh, th- th- Tori, think of like an anime remaster. Uh, comes to mind The Legend of Galactic Heroes. Everyone was super excited for it. It definitely delivers, but still, no one's no one's really watching it. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? You try to uh, when marketing or when you're marketing stuff like this, uh, stuff like this, it's it's not something that the new guard is going to be interested in mm-hmm. most of the time, just simply because like there isn't much there's much for them. It's like I hear you talk about like you. You're uh, excited and like talked about being faithful and whatnot. And obviously, for somebody who would who maybe have played these games before and like them, mm-hmm. obviously that would be very important to somebody right. who you know much younger, never played these games, only got into only got into games recently. That's a tougher sell, right? Because they wouldn't care. 
I, yeah, like, exactly. And and the the beat the, the genre itself, beat 'em ups, as as super fun as they are, and um, uh, Colin, you and I played the beat 'em ups episode, and sometimes the genre just doesn't it, it doesn't translate well to to the modern era. And I think beat 'em ups is definitely one of those. You just don't get a lot of beat 'em up games today, if if at all. Yeah, really. So I, I can't remember the last one I've seen. I mean, Double Dragon Neon's the last one I can think of off the top of my head that was even remotely okay. Oh yeah, and and I believe that was a Steam only release, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it might have came out, you know, physically through other means uh, via consoles and whatever. But <clears throat> Streets, regardless, Streets of Rage Four, I really like the art style. Uh, I I hope I really do hope it's good because I'm a big Streets of Streets of Rage fan. It's probably my favorite beat 'em up franchise, to be honest. So. Oh yeah, I love Streets of Rage too. I love that game. Cool. So, uh, the next one is actually uh, something I I came across recently. Shovel Knight Final Two DLC are coming, and it's coming next spring, twenty nineteen. King of Cards and Showdown. Uh, King of Cards is a full story about King Knight, so very much in the same realm of the DLC that come out came out in the past with uh, uh, Specter Knight and uh, Plague Knight. <clears throat> so it should be good, should be a good different take on the Shovel Knight uh, franchise. And then Showdown is actually a fighting game with a story as well, yeah. uh, with all of the all of the characters in the game. So, And uh, they will be released for free uh, with the full purchase of any past game, including the Vita and Wii U versions, oh, yeah. uh, if the article I read uh, was accurate. <laughs> um, and I do believe it because the past two... Uh, DLCs, Plague Knight and Specter Knight, were also free, and I have the Wii U version physical, and uh, I was just able to go, uh, assuming that Nintendo doesn't totally shut down <coughs> uh, the update service. Oh, yeah. Uh, it'll be free as well. <clears throat> Thoughts, guys? Tori, how familiar are, are you with Shovel Knight? Uh, Best game or greatest game? <laughs> <laughs> I've never played it. Uh, myself, of I've heard a lot of. I've heard a lot about it. It's uh, like, like I said. Uh, obviously, I'm not. Uh, I'm not exactly very in, very into games. I don't play most games. Uh, but it is one of those things. Was like from like being in the gaming community as I used to be, and I follow a lot of people mm-hmm. that still are. So it's something like I hear about it very often, but it's mostly just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm I'm streaming Shovel Knight. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Colin, how about yourself? You excited for uh, for Shovel Knight, the final two DLC? And I, I, I gotta say, Yacht Club Games, got the the makers of this. Yeah. Like kudos, kudos to them. Yeah. Like oh my god, they <laughs> they made a fantastic game. They keep they keep coming out with uh, D- DLC for it, and it's totally free. It's just more more content. It, it's 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 really keeping. Shovel Knight in the uh, in the modern eye. So, uh, yep. but I'm sorry, Kong. Uh, to answer my question, <laughs> what were you gonna say? Uh, I only just recently beat Shovel Knight, so I haven't played any of the DLC yet. But it look looks to be pretty cool. This this is my first time hearing about the new Final Two DLC, but be interesting to see how they do the uh, the fighting game side of things. Yeah, that 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 has me uh, that has me peaked. I mean, because all the all the characters feel like characters. Yeah. In yeah. such a retro style game, 
even though you you only meet them the one time pretty much but they have so much personality yeah uh be it their their fighting and their environments that they're a part of i i i i i'm a big 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 shovel knight fan i can tell <clears throat> i've played i've played it all yeah <laughs> uh, I, I even I even went as far as to get the uh, the Shovel Knight Amiibo, uh, uh, mostly because because I have the Wii U version and uh, the Amiibo allows you to have uh, two player co op. <laughs> ah yeah, for that, and you get a nice little figure too. So I'm excited. I hope everyone else is is excited. If you haven't hopped on the Shovel Knight bandwagon yet, and you're a fan of retro gaming, uh, like we all here at the podcast, uh, Shovel Knight's a must a must play. <clears throat> absolutely uh yeah if you like mega man it's 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 uh it's in the realm of a mega man type game you might say it's the best mega man game that's come out in the last 20 years <laughs> <laughs> uh and then our, our our final piece of news here is uh the original onimusha game is coming to pc ps4 switch and xbox one um uh, down the line, uh, the PS2 Classic will get updated visuals, analog controls, and a new soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is so in the in the pre-show or before I hit the uh, the live button, uh, I mentioned that there's a lot of samurai games coming out in 2019, and Onimusha is one of those. Oh uh, yeah. You know, along with Sekiro, uh, Shadow Di- Shadows Die Twice, <clears throat> uh, Neo Two. And uh, what am I think? What, what, what am I missing here? There's one more. Ghost um, of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Onimusha's uh, coming back. Uh, I guess Capcom, instead of making new games, they only know how to. <laughs> 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 they only know how to uh, bring back their old titles with minimal effort. What's a new um, game? Yeah. What is a new game, right? <laughs> uh, and I make that joke because visually. From what I've seen, let's see if I can pull up a couple images here, or at least some news. Uh, Oni Musha Remaster. Okay, yeah, that's more or less what it. It yeah, there you go. Six days ago, five days ago, yeah, those are recent. Um, visually, it doesn't look too different than an upscaled PS2 version. So uh, what I mean by that is if you throw like your PS2 game in a, in a uh, one of those older PS3 models, and it, and you uh, put in the upscale option. Know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it looks like that. <laughs> uh, but the analog controls uh, is a very much needed thing, especially with older PlayStation game games. Uh, let's see what what are some other like cra- um, not Crash. Uh, Spyro comes to mind with using L2 R2, the first Kingdom Hearts. Didn't have analog controls. The list goes on. Uh, just having that second stick to control the just for camera control. As my uh, cat's now hitting the mic. Come here, <laughs> you've, been, you've been super bad the last couple podcast episodes. And ripping up my carpet in the morning. I didn't like that too much. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, camera controls. That second analog stick is just a quality of life improvement that needs to be in all games. I think they should remaster every PlayStation game <laughs> <laughs> with analog controls. <laughs> and I might buy half of them too. Uh, uh, how familiar are you guys with Onimusha? Just anyone speak up. Uh, I know of its existence. I saw plenty of commercials for it back in the day, but I never actually mm-hmm. played it. 
that seems to be, that that seems to be a theme with a lot of people actually. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love. I, I personally, I love the Onimusha series. It was um, it was definitely up there with uh, the Tenchu franchise. Oh, and yeah. uh, anime fans, Tori, you might. I don't know if you have played any uh, samurai games yourself. Uh, no. I no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, if you're an anime fan, a retro gaming fan, then um, if you like uh, sword play and and killing dude, killing like demons and dudes with giant axes and other weapons, uh, Onimusha is pretty damn sweet. We did cover uh, Tenchu not too long ago. That's more along the stealth line of samurai games. Onimusha is much more action based. Um, I, I I couldn't tell you any of the stories off the top of my head. It's been like twenty years. Oh yeah. <laughs> Only twenty, huh? Only twenty. Uh, I I have the first and third one. I probably wouldn't. I probably won't get this remaster myself. But the fact that it is coming out again, uh, I definitely implore people to at least check it out. Now, if it does come out and and it's like the uh, the Shenmue re-release that occurred, have you guys heard of this? Yes, yes. very much so. Uh, the Shenmue re-release uh, is a disaster. Like it's ju- it's literally a port. That's oh, yeah. all it is. <clears throat> I don't think I think Capcom has has uh they're not going to pull a Sega here and just put no effort at all and put it on modern consoles. <laughs> uh, but to be fair on on Sega's part with with uh the Shenmue port release, it is just to get, you know, hype along Shenmue 3 coming out. And uh, uh not too many people I imagine have the original Xbox and Dreamcast anymore. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone's like me, right? And has all the things. <laughs> I have the original Xbox. Do you, Tori? I do. Ooh, yeah, what's your favorite game for it? Oh, uh-huh. Uh, oh, putting you on the spot. Again. Yeah, it's happening. Let's see. I need to remember what even, what did I even play on the Xbox. I remember playing uh, there's, Halo there's 2. Halo. Yeah, I played Halo 2 on the Xbox. Uh, uh-huh. I remember playing There's Blinks uh, the Time Sweeper, which we've covered one. on a past episode. I played Blink, I played Blinks too, <laughs> though. Uh, I actually, unironically, love that game. Um, Me too. That was the only ones that come to mind. So the rest are all right. <laughs> the rest are probably very bad. They're probably also very bad. But hey, actually, Halo is. Eh. <laughs> eh. Ooh, there. There's a controversial statement. I think Halo was. On our very first episode of the Retro Gaming Cast, I had actually never played the Halo story before. Oh, yeah. I have neither. Because the fun thing about my copy of Halo 2 was that it was broken, so you could only play the first mission. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Multiplayer only, forever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, you poor guy. Oh, and boy. I still played that one mission a hundred times, at least. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, Oni, uh, back to Onimusha. Uh, it, it's... um. It's a super fun uh, samurai action game. Uh, definitely, definitely look up uh, some gameplay of of the past. Uh, I hope again that it's not just a port, because then the port won't get people into the franchise. Ports won't do that. It's 2018. <clears throat> what do you uh, mean? Ports of ports you... of the past. Uh, just just don't look. If you're on a modern console, I guarantee that you don't want to play a game in 480p running at 30 frames per second. Oh, are you trying <laughs> with terrible voice acting? <laughs> are, are you trying to tell me that people will not play older games 
that are just re-released with nothing? Are you trying to tell me that people have, I'm not even going to call it standards, but are you telling me that people actually want to see something that resembles modern games in terms of visuals or gameplay? Mm-hmm. I, I am I am saying such a controversial statement. Wow. <laughs> And and Colin and I love retro games, but Colin, what, what do you think if this was just a port, people would play it? I yeah. think some people would, but not not the audience, not not the not the general gaming community. I don't think so. Yeah, it would pretty much it would Somebody. pretty much it would okay. pretty much it would pretty much just be the people who never got a chance to buy it back in the day or play it back in the day, and now have the chance to. Aside from mm-hmm. that, there's no real draw for new players that never even heard of it. All right. Ah, uh, come on. There's somebody who will have lost a bet somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but they're uh, one in a million. <laughs> <laughs> no, you mean a million out of a billion. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. All right. <clears throat> well, I don't have much else to say. That's all the news we got. Okay. Uh, it's a good time for us to move right along. And play, uh, get into our theme as I uh, play the only one we're supposed to do here. Okay. Chrono Cross. Yay. All right. Later on, I'd like to explain why I love the Chrono Cross <laughs> drop so much. Sure. Okay. All right. Well,. Tori, since you are the guest of the hour, the man of the hour, the limitless one yourself, the best host already, you've only been here a hot minute on the Retro Gaming Cast, if you want to hear more of Tori's uh, best hosting skills, go check out the Red Leaf Retrocast Anime Edition, Worldwide Weebs. Uh, we're oh, past 30 episodes now. We did make it that far. Congratulations, Tori, best host. Thank you. <clears throat> I don't know how we did it. You can you can fi- you can uh, find it here on the uh, uh, past live streams via YouTube Red Leaf Retrocast, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Smart Radio, Spotify, and many more. And if you've liked what you've heard so far, uh, go leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes. It's a good free way to support the podcast. And uh, who knows, might even might even read your your comments and thoughts on an episode, good or bad. So, Tori. Bring yes. us into our very first game we are discussing here. Putting me on the spot again. All right. Yes, <laughs> nah, this good. is what I do. Uh, so the first game we're going to be talking about is uh, Dragon Ball Shenlong no Naso for the Famicom. Or mm-hmm. Dragon Power. Really? That's what <laughs> they give you? Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be a theme is, is uh, changed names. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, nobody needs to know that there's... What's anime? Japanese? What? No. Uh, so yeah. What, what was it, what was anime in the eighties? <laughs> what was anime? In the 80s? Akira was. <laughs> um, yeah. Nah. Uh, anyways, the game was released in, uh, on November twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six, in Japan, and uh, March nineteen eighty eight on uh, in North America on the Famicom. And yes. Uh, so yeah, developed by Toast and released by Bandai. Yep. Yeah. So what are your thoughts over this game? What what's, what's it about, first of all? Uh, well, first things first, I really didn't get that far into it. 
Oh, that I... is okay. Because if it's a bad game, I don't expect you to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. When I say I didn't get far into it, I mean, like, I gave up very, very, very quickly. Uh, I Well, why did you give up, Tori? There gave... must be a reason behind it. <laughs> the reason behind it is because I kind of get I kind of get into it and I see. What do I see? Well, I essentially just see, like, kind of, you know, very, very old game, very, very pre-my-time, very... Uh-huh. Basic looking, 2D or kind are of you, Tori? walking. I am 23. I was born in 1995. <laughs> ah, and, so uh, this game is older than you, is what you're yes, saying. Yes, <laughs> by almost 10 years. Girl these days. Yep. Uh, uh, well, I, I gotta I gotta ask, which version did you play? Did you say did you play the Famicom version or the game Dragon Power? Uh well, I mean, first things first, uh I didn't get to play any of these games apart from one so i mostly just got the yes you did them. you played them all yeah emulator you can <laughs> absolutely. say absolutely you can say that <laughs> i don't expect everyone to go out and buy a famicom and import everything from japan <laughs> well well you will still still be wrong but whatever anyways so um uh yeah no i just kind of don't care for that like 2D overhead, you're walking around kind of punching enemies that are walking in their set pattern. Mm-hmm. Swiping at you. Stuff. It's like I sit there and I'm like, I'm having such a good time right now. <laughs> and then, you know, you got the, you got those uh, cutscenes. Uh, the, the dialogue sequences that I'm just kind of like, alright, whatever. Uh, and yeah, no, the version I played was the uh, Famicom version. So, so you, so you played Dragon Ball Shenlong no Nazo? Yes. Okay. All right, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Because uh Dragon Power's dialogue, I I tried to play the both I I tried to play both versions of these games to get a compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. The dialogue in Dragon Power is Mwah, classic English, <laughs> and obviously they didn't care cuz it was it was with uh let's see here. In my notes I have uh Give me your sandwich. Hello, I am Hermit. <laughs> Things like that. And that's all they would say. And it would move on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, fragmented sentences. Things out of context that you just don't understand. Why do you want... Why does he want your sandwich? I don't know. <laughs> if you've played Dragon Ball, uh, Shenlong no Nazo, and you're, and you're familiar with the Dragon Ball anime, he actually says... Give me your panties, and it's Master Roshi. Yeah. So you know he's an old pervert turtle hermit. <laughs> so when he says, give me your panties in Dragon Ball, the game, you're just like, yeah, okay, I understand it. But in English, it's just this generic martial arts dude that just said, that just wants a sandwich. And you're like, okay, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tori, I know, I know what you mean. Uh the the 2D overhead kind of Zelda outlook isn't for everybody. Uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I would be. I mean, I'll be. Don't I'll be, be talking bad about Zelda, it. okay? <laughs> no, but I'll be. The, I'll be the first to admit. Like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, the the overhead top down games weren't my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I didn't get into those kind of games until way later. <clears throat> uh, super, um, like later end Super Nintendo uh, type games. Um, even Chrono Cross comes to mind. That's pretty top-down, uh, Fantasy Star, etc. Uh, but yeah, like this this game, you just kind of go around punch enemies until you get your big big extendo pole. 
uh, and then you can punch them at a distance, essentially. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get into more of the game in here. Second, Colin, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, uh, I ended up playing the uh, Famicom version, the very rough English translation. It's like, okay, like you said, top-down game occasionally alternates to 2D action for boss fights. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty basic. Nothing really going on here that you wouldn't see in like the original Zelda or Star Tropics, which we covered in a previous game or right. cast. And without the without the pull, hitting enemies can be a real chore in this game. You have to be very exact with how you aim your attacks. Mm-hmm. And don't even get me started on that first mini boss. There's literally no way to beat him <laughs> without getting hit yourself. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Uh, there, there is a way to get the Kamehameha wave. Oh yeah, and that definitely helps. Uh, and naturally, they put in a mechanic where you only have a limited amount of fire uh, or power, <clears throat> which makes sense in the Dragon Ball universe. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head in the American version Dragon Power if you even get the Kamehameha wave. I think they may have taken that out. Maybe. Um, but yeah, basically what happened was uh, the U.S. version uh, was based on Journey to the West with no mention of Dragon Ball at all. Uh, so naturally, uh, Journey to the West, I believe, is a like a Chinese movie uh, with Western actors. So nothing, nothing will sell a video game to small kids than a Chinese Western game, of course, <laughs> movie, right? Uh, but Goku was uh, was changed to closely resemble an Americanized kung fu stereotype thing. Uh, well, the game it was, game itself was Goku himself was changed to this monkey looking dude. Uh, got they got rid of the hair in Dragon Power, so he didn't even like resemble a person anymore. Lame. <clears throat> um, the, even the the picture on the box was changed to just a just a generic kung fu fighter with a with a white gi and blue headband. Uh, master Roshi was changed to look more like the uh, traditional martial arts master, which I mentioned before. <laughs> uh, and then the, all like basically all the character names and item names changed. Uh, the Dragon Balls were now changed to Crystal Balls. Uh, Bulma was changed to like Nina or some shit. <laughs> I don't remember. It wasn't worth writing down. <laughs> it just goes on and on like that. Yeah, like you said, Colin, it just goes goes around uh, punch stuff. Way too incredibly exact. Uh, when you do get the extendo pole, it's incredibly broken. I found myself just circling on the D-pad whenever I'd get into a room or oh, area man. because you just flail it around like a madman. It just spins really fast. <laughs> uh, the music, I will say, goes on a loop in a really short sequence of a single song. So I muted that shit so fast, guys. Yeah, it was really repetitive. Yeah. It was bad. Uh, the, <laughs> the most notable difference, I will say, in the game is the speed boost power-up to make you run faster along the map. In the American version, it was uh, sandwiches. So... That that's the sandwiches were kind of the the main point of the game. Uh, 
in the original Dragon Ball version, the speed boost power-up were panties. Yeah. <laughs> panties. <laughs> Which is a little odd yep. considering <laughs> Goku isn't that kind of character. No, he is not that kind of character, but the whole idea was you're supposed to get these panties and give them to Master Roshi. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. And get them to him quick. Uh, but of course, you know, out of context dialogue, uh, just doesn't match up. Uh, you really need to know the Dragon Ball franchise, I guess, to get that reference. But even through the gameplay, it, it didn't really make much sense. Yeah. Um, they they did make the animation of, of Goku running fast with his legs like in the anime where it's just this uh, s- real fast kind of swish looking motion. Tori, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Uh, the legs go back and forth real quick, and they just kind of hover along the ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like when Brooke <laughs> is running on water in One Piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's that's one thing I give this game credit for. It looks and sounds like Dragon Ball, at least in the Fam- Famicom version. Like, the menu music is basically the Japanese Dragon Ball theme, which you hear all the oh, time sure, yeah. if, you're, if you pay attention to Team Four Star on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Let me uh, let me pull up some screenshots here for the uh, for the live live stream. I should have done that earlier. I should there probably... it is. Looks like ass. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably point out I wasn't really much into Dragon Ball growing up. <gasps> Blasphemy. <laughs> Although it had a lot to do with the fact that my family didn't have cable TV. I remember seeing one episode of the original Dragon Ball dub at a friend's house when I was sleeping over one time. Mm-hmm. But hell, if I can remember what it was about, I just remember the scene of Goku, Bulma, and some other character riding with Oolong driving, and that's pretty <laughs> much it. I'll do. Oh you yeah, one Oolong's name. Oolong's name was changed to Porky. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but I'll do you one better. I've never seen Dragon Ball, and I never intend to. Oh, Boo. Boo. Yes. you guys, you guys pain me. <laughs> no, the, the I mean for an NES title. Uh, I guess it was, it, it, visually it looked okay, I just think it played like ass, uh, yeah, it, it, ne- it needed, it needed some tender loving care for sure, uh, yeah. it does not get a pass from me. Same here, just play Star Tropics. Yeah, at least, like, Star Tropics doesn't look as good, but it plays so much better. Oh yeah, Absolutely. So. Tori, does this get a pass from you? Something tells me it does. Obviously it does. No, no, not at all. This is just like, this is just fucking not my cup of tea at all. (laughs) No, I mean, this would be my cup of tea if it was a good game. (laughs) Uh, If if you're a hardcore Dragon Ball uh, fanboy, uh, I still can't recommend the game. (laughs) If you're a hardcore collector, uh, the game is only five bucks. Uh, Famicom or NES version, whichever you prefer. The game's cheap as shit, so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Colin, why don't you tell us about the next game that we're going to be covering here? Okay, the Japanese title is Shin Sekimatsu Kyuseishu Densetsu Hokuto no Ken, aka Last Battle for for the American <laughs> title. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that translated exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know. I posit I posit two theories about the English title. <laughs> One, they were trying to okay. piggyback off the success of Final Fight, so they created a title with synonyms of both words. Final, last, sure. fight, battle. Oh, that's a good theory. Or two, 
One of the localizers was a fan of C.S. Lewis. You know, the last battle, the final book of the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, <laughs> see, my theory uh, was it was called Last Battle because once you play play it once, you're never going to play it again. It would be your last battle. <laughs> that's a good that's a good theory. Yeah, if that's any indication to how I feel about the game. <laughs> oh man. Well, when did it come out? Who uh who developed this uh this piece of steaming pile of ass? <laughs> Who did it? Who did it? Who did this to me, Colin? <laughs> well, Sega did this to you. <laughs> oh, and I like Sega. God, bastards. <laughs> yeah, it came out in Japan on July 1st, 1989. On Canada Day, it seems. <laughs> sure did. Happy Canada Day. <laughs> <laughs> and it came out in North America on August 14th of the same year. Now... This is basically the Fist of the North Star game for those who don't, those who aren't familiar with the translation of Japanese title to American. Sure, sure. And uh, Colin, just to interrupt you here, Tori, yeah. I'm going to leave this to you. Could you describe what Fist of the North Star anime is for our listeners? Fist of the North Star anime. Well, basically, it follows Kenshiro, a very, very, very badass man who uh, has basically got a special kind of uh, martial arts. It's also got seven scars in the chest, but that's been unimportant. <laughs> Only for description, not really important. Although it is, but I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, anyways, so what he does is, in this post-apocalyptic world in 1990X, as they love to say, um, the <laughs> nuclear war struck and everyone's dead. Uh, no, not really. But the entire world has been thrown into chaos, we're in post-apocalyptic, and obviously as what happens is biker gang tanks, takes over everything, and... Very badass biker gang. So, uh, yeah, Kenjiro, he is kind of just walking around in the desert and he keeps getting attacked and he punches people and everyone laughs at him because, like, ha, that didn't even hurt. But what they don't know <laughs> is they're already dead. <laughs> yeah. And then they explode and rinse and repeat forever. <laughs> and what's that famous line that he always says? Omae wa mo shindeiru. There we go. <laughs> Nani? I quite, I quite enjoy the anime myself. <laughs> oh, you got it, Colin. You got it. I quite enjoy the anime myself. It's it's dumb eighties fun. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's silly. It, it started. It, it started wearing on me after a while, but it's it's, it's Japanese silly. Mad Max, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Colin. Well, back to the game. What is this steaming pile of ass about? What what do you do in this game? Eh, basically the same as the anime. Your character, Kenshiro, or in the English version, Arzak. <laughs> uh, it's Arzak. It's a double A. Oh. I won't. I won't stand for this mispronunciation of names. <laughs> yeah, there's not really a story. You're just going from stage to stage, punching and kicking guys who come your way. It's basically like the Sega version of the NES game Kung Fu. Plays pretty yeah. much exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. That's a game I had previously considered for the Damsels in Distress cast, but I chose Final Fight instead. Mm-hmm. Then, whatever enemies you hit, they either die in one hit or go flying and bouncing. It's just... That's pretty so much it. So what version did everyone play? 
I played the... Because uh... I, I played Last Battle, like, a couple weeks ago, and then uh, since uh, we're we're a week, week behind uh, with this episode, I got to play the Japanese version yesterday. Oh, yeah. uh, I was sick for those <laughs> that are curious to why this is late. <laughs> uh, and um, so I got to play both, luckily enough. Tori, which versions did you get to? I got to, uh, well, I, obviously I did. I looked at uh, both, but I looked at the first, the uh, Japanese version. Okay, and, uh, so then you th- so then you looked up, a, like, a video <laughs> to compare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, man, they're, like, they're very similar, uh, more so in the sense compared to the Dragon Ball game we just covered. Uh, but they're night to me. They're night and day different because of just uh, certain things that were taken out of the uh, Western versions. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and that is the fact that the Japanese version has blood, gore, heads exploding, and bodies exploding, uh, while the Western version has uh, just the enemies flying off the screen, like wee. <laughs> <laughs> Ah oh, man, now I want to play that version. I'd say there's a lot different, but yeah. <laughs> no, the uh, the Japanese version was pretty cool because when you punch the guy, they uh, they kind of like or punch and kick the guy. They they go diagonal in the air and then they stop all of a sudden, and either their head or body will completely explode and ah. a bunch of blood. If you uh, if you're uh, watching live right now, you can see a uh, a screenshot <clears throat> where. The head's exploding <laughs> right off. Um, and because of this change uh, and them having to take a lot of that out, they had to, um, due to the censorship in the West, the English version, Western version, was uh, graphically, uh, I don't want to say dumbed down, but it looks so much wor- worse. Like, all really? the textures gone in the environments. Um the, the the bricks are the most notable on buildings. Uh, they're completely out of the uh, last last battle version. It just doesn't look as good at all. Uh, the the sprites don't feel as detailed when you're when you're playing. Uh, so a lot of the quality of life enhancements that the Japanese version had were were totally taken out of last battle. Uh, hmm. It just looks like a better game, and it feels like a better game because you're you're getting to kick heads off people's heads or bodies uh then when you get to boss battles which i didn't know this this was a thing until i played the japanese version uh you're fighting in in if you're familiar with fist of the north star uh, kenshiro tends to fight a lot of these just massive like 20 foot dudes you know uh-huh. uh whenever i don't know his companion is kidnapped or what have you Yes. Uh, whenever indie, anything happens. Right, whenever anything happens, it's always a, a dude like three times the size and he just makes their bodies explode. <laughs> uh, in the Western version, they were completely changed to like these alien mutants altogether. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to match, I, I guess, the idea. I don't know why when you're already like kicking dudes off the screen. I think it's, my theory is, uh, I only got to the first boss of the Japanese version, was... There is a special death animation for the bosses. So instead of censoring like a, a boss battle and just watching them f- getting uh, flying off the screen altogether, they just they kept more or less the animation, but made made it a mutant to see them exploding. Because I guess 
watching a human explode is bad, but watching an alien explode is okay. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there's that. Uh, what the game is, is you go uh, left to right. You have um, you have a life gauge, Erzak, or Kenshiro has a power-up meter that will gradually fill as you defeat enemies. You have a punch, kick, crouch, you know, the, the basic buttons. Uh, the mechanic I thought was really cool was... Uh, when you get to a certain point and your meter fills, uh, depending on the stage as well, you go you go into the super powered state, and they kept this in both versions. Is is uh, he he uh, he flexes and goes and his shirt explodes, and then he can punch and kick at rapid speed. Can you so say that, that definitely kept the spirit of the anime right there? You were saying, Colin? I was saying, can you say manly? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely manly. For sure. Tori, what did you like about this game? Oh, uh, I like the bodies exploding. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Again, it's it's just not my it's it's not my kind of game. I don't like that, mm-hmm. like walking, kicking enemies. It's like ah. Uh, Cool. Well, hitting to be fair, this game. was very mediocre. Yeah. Best. yeah, yeah, pretty basic. I mean, if I were to compare it to Dragon Ball, I said I prefer this one, but you know. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I'm I'm definitely with you on there. There there was yeah. more to this one than Dragon Ball. Yeah, uh, the Japanese version, anyways. Colin, what did you like about this game? As I watch my cat try to bite and destroy <laughs> more cords. <laughs> Bad kitty. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, JD, it's pretty mediocre, but I I kind of I kind of enjoyed the gameplay for what it was. I mean, like I said, mm-hmm. it was just like the game Kung Fu, which I actually played fairly frequently as a kid on the Commodore 64. Sure, sure. So it was kind of a trip back for me. And I didn't think the graphics were too bad. I mean, nothing mind-blowing, but you can't really expect too much from 1989. But I I would like to see how the Japanese version uh, looks compared to the American version. Oh, the Japanese version's night and day better uh, oh, yeah. visually. Uh, even even though 1989 is the beginning of the uh, the Genesis uh, era oh, when yeah? the console came out, um, it's it's still it's still something. Ah, yeah. Uh, the game's divided into into four stages or chapters, uh, each featuring several levels in it. I really liked. And I wish more games would do this, especially back then. Was when you finish a uh, a level, there were there were uh, different paths you could take. Oh and yeah. Go go to the next one. Now, each level felt the same because you're watch- walking left to right, and all that all that really changed was the background. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what they put there. Uh, so that that's a complaint in itself. But I I do like that alternating path choice. Uh, with with different environments coming and, and what have you that that was that was really cool I like that uh, where they dropped the ball even on that was it was this sort of maze board and you still had to find the correct path uh, oh, yeah. to get to the next area correctly um, yeah that was you know pain. think of think of dead cells Colin yeah you know nah but uh, dead cells did it better you could it was basically you're choosing your own path. Some are harder than others, but it's still pretty much right. But you still you still get to the end point in the same way, no matter what path you choose. You, you chose in yeah. 
<clears throat> in this one, you have to then go back to get to the right path. Uh, that 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 was where they dropped the ball. Absolutely. So, uh, this game wanted to be Alter Beast so bad. I, hmm. I, as I was playing uh, both versions of it, um, and Alter Beast also came out in 1989, so I think they were kind of trying to hit hit lightning in a bottle twice there. Uh, and I I swear this used the same music as Golden Axe. Did you get that feeling, Colin? Uh, probably. It, it's been it's been a few days since I played it, but. Yeah, as as soon as I was playing, I'm like, that sounds like Golden Axe, <laughs> especially since we've just, we've played both both or one and two Golden Axe on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Um, the writing in it was just as cheesy as the Fist of the North Star anime in uh, in both the English and uh, Japanese version, so it, it kept the spirit there. So there, there's there there, <clears throat> there was a lot of spirit in the game. I think they were they were trying for it. Just wasn't executed well at all. Uh, I did I, like the sprite detail, uh, very much so. Um, and then uh, one last note here on la- on last battle particularly. Uh, in a few gaming articles I found from the '90s, it has it listed as two of the ten worst Genesis games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> That's an accomplishment. Should hang it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Sega, poor Sega indeed. Oh, yeah. uh, final thoughts over uh, Hokoto no Ken, aka Last Battle. Tori? <laughs> uh, I. It was a fun. It was a fun experience, ish, for like ish. a couple minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was kind of like, yeah, I'm done with this. This is not. <laughs> this isn't the sort of interactive games that I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Colin. Yeah, to borrow one of Kevin's key phrases, it's a thing that exists. <laughs> That's it's pretty... a thing that exists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does say that <laughs> quite frequently. Uh, all right, uh, fail from us all again. Not good for anime games. Et- retro anime games, zero for two. <laughs> Hopefully that's about to change in this third one here. Oh yeah. Uh, I will introduce this one now. Oh, this will. is I will. <laughs> this is Hepburn Area Hachi Juhachi on the Super Famicom, aka UN Squadron. Yes. Oh, and uh <laughs> right fast, um the Fist of the North Star game was six dollars. If you're curious and you're a hardcore collector. Overpriced. Uh, UN Squadron, because nothing will sell more to gamers like the United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, came out in Japan, July 26, 1991, in North America, September 1991. So a good turnaround date. Developed and published by our good friends at Capcom. You know, those guys that are uh, reporting, making, mastering Onimusha. Yep. It is your typical side-scrolling shooter going against the trend of other Capcom shooters at the time, such as 1942 and 1943, where it was a, uh, a top-scrolling uh, shooter. Yeah. Player has an energy bar that is consumed over the course of a single life as the player sustains damage, as opposed to the usual one-hit death system. Very interesting mechanic indeed. And for <laughs> those that don't know, this is based off the anime Area 88 OVA of the 90s and manga by the same name. A uh, An anime I am quite fond of. And Tori, you have seen the anime. <laughs> I sure have seen the anime, yeah. <laughs> what is the anime about? So we get a little background over uh, the game as well. 
Well, I don't remember names right now, but I remember it's about this guy who basically gets drunk at a bar and then he gets signed up for this special, uh, military service. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he basically ends up piloting, uh, plane, uh, warplanes and they end up, uh, lots of dogfighting and, you know, just, they're hired for fighting for other nations because why not? <clears throat> Yeah, it's like this military, militaristic uh, mercenary country, and you're forced into essentially slavery, uh, and you have to buy your way, uh, you have to buy your freedom, essentially, yes. by completing these mercenary jobs. And uh, making enough money. The concept translated very well into what we saw in this game, I must say. Uh, yeah. yeah. Colin, what are your thoughts over... This game, Area 88, or UN Squadron. <laughs> I will say, upon booting it up, right off the bat, I, I started having F-Zero flashbacks from the visual style. Basically, when, oh, interesting. when you see the main character's jet taking off from Area 88. And mm -hmm. I really like this game. It's like, uh, like you said, it's another side-scrolling shoot-em-up. Like Gradius or KO Flying Squadron. Now, the way it plays, you get money for every enemy you destroy. And when you beat the level or die, you keep that money and put it towards upgrades to your plane or better models of planes. Which I think is really cool, especially for the time. I agree. And the better, I definitely agree. And the better model plane you get, the bigger the variety of side weapons you can add to your plane. Which is really cool. It's definitely a very difficult game because you you get hit once, you're in like danger mode for a few seconds, and then it all the health re instantly regenerates after a few seconds. But for, for each time that you get hit and regenerate, it regenerates less each time, so you're still essentially losing health in the long run. Very interesting mechanic. I can't think of another game that does that. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And on top of that, you can't fire your regular machine gun indefinitely. After a while, it stops firing, at which point you have to press and hold the fire button again, which is another thing I don't see in a lot of other games. Yeah, it's a it's a short burst system. It fires like 10 shots at a time. You're right. You're right on that one. Yep. <laughs> and the game looks amazing as well for 1991. Definitely mm -hmm. one of the best games... They're best-looking games to come for around this time. It's good music, nothing too memorable, but I didn't find myself getting sick of it. And the sound, funny enough, the sound effect they used to indicate danger when you get hit kept making me think my phone was vibrating on my desk just because of one of the <laughs> background sounds. Kept having to stop. Oh, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> kept having to stop myself from looking over my shoulder towards it. <laughs> It's like what was that, that? no 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 one texted me yeah. no one no new followers on Twitter at bowling JD by the way <laughs> <laughs> I uh, one of my favorite mechanics in this game was uh, when the levels finished any weapons you didn't use are converted back into money oh yeah 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 I remember that I I totally love that because if you if you felt like you were at the end of a level and you're like well I did, I guess I didn't need those missiles. Uh, at the end, uh, anyways, um, in most games you just lose it all together and you only keep you know the money you gain on the level. I 
and you're just like, oh, okay, I want to, I want to upgrade these missiles then uh, for the next next stage. <clears throat> uh, really, really awesome. I I was so happy when when I was playing the game and and that occurred. I was like, what? Oh my god! Now I have enough for the next missile upgrade. Instead, yay! <laughs> nice. Which is really cool, because when you, you know, in a lot of shoot-em-ups and uh, side-scrolling shooters, you, as you progress through the levels, particularly when you get to level 3 or 4, it's always like clockwork, you need those upgrades uh, big time, because the game just skyrockets in difficulty. Yeah. And uh, that, that was just a quality of life improvement, um, uh, w- with feeling like I was accomplishing something at the same time. Nice. Tori. What are your thoughts over Area 88 slash UN Squadron? <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Uh, this was the... We're uh, on our third different genre for you, Tori. Do you like a game yet? <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, quest to find a game that I enjoy. No, um... Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, it kind of is, doesn't it? It sure feels like it. See, the, the negative part was this was the game... The negative part for me was that this was the game I played first out of anyone. So, oh. uh, that's... For a lot of it, it was kind of just downhill, which, you know, usually isn't the way you want it to go, but all right. Yeah, the, uh... I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, I know what you mean. I, I've done that on the on past episodes where I'm like, well, shit, I played the best one first. Now everything seems worse. <laughs> now I have nothing to look forward to. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, nah. Uh, As you're was... playing the second game, you're just like, I want to play that other one more. <laughs> yeah, that was basically what happened. Like, uh, it is. Uh, it was a fun game, for sure. Mm-hmm. It definitely does remind me, like, I mean, I say remind me, I can't really say because we didn't particularly have arcades here. Uh, arcades was really a profitable business here, so the ones that we did have, they closed down after, like, a year. Um, oh, poor Norway. Yeah, <laughs> but I did play a bit in, like, when I was on vacation in foreign countries. It kind of reminded me of that, of just of that experience and also kind of getting frustrated as I'm reminded of like, yeah, oh, this is fun. Oh, wait, now I remember why I wasted so much money on the on these types of, on these fucking games. <laughs> <laughs> again. Want to continue? Want to retry? Luckily, you don't have to. Uh, not here. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was fun, for sure. Um, a bit of, uh, I mean, I don't want to say the obvious. Like, it's, it's still not my, my kind of game. Like I said, I never had the, uh, arcade, uh, like, I never had, like, the arcade culture. That was never, for me, it's kind of like gaming has always been something I do by myself uh, in my home. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so it's kind of like just that, like, constant of, oh, you die, die, continue. Uh, like, and stuff like that. It it bothers me, but not because necessarily that's a problem with the game. It's just kind of like, why can't I just restart? Why do you always have to continue? Ten, <laughs> nine, <laughs> eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, nah. but it was a it was a fun game. I liked it. Uh, yeah, basically, we found man. a game Tori likes, Colin. It happened. Yeah, <gasps> stop the. Presses. I liked it. I liked it, but not that much. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Playing hard again. <laughs> so Don't some other things. Me, some other things. Uh, uh, yeah, some other things about the game is. Um, <clears throat> uh. Oh, you keep all your ship upgrades even after you die. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because more often than not, in side-scrolling shooters, uh, especially in our shoot 'em up episode, not only is it a one-hit death uh, kill system, you uh, 
you also lose all your upgrades or you start like at the beginning of a level all over again. Yeah. And uh, so that's probably one of the most frustrating aspects over the genre. Uh, in this game, you not only have that health bar that we mentioned earlier, you also keep all your upgrades. Uh, so it's almost like you're getting a brand new ship. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I quite, quite enjoyed that. It, it definitely made me feel more immersed and, and uh, enjoying the game more. Because then when you die, you're just like, ah, shit. It doesn't make you want to quit as easy. Right. <laughs> when you have all the, uh, almost all the upgrades and then you die and you're like, fucking god damn yeah. it. Right back uh, to the beginning. <laughs> I, also, I also liked how you have uh, three different characters to choose from and they felt like characters and each pilot flies a specific plane, has uh, slightly different uh, capabilities, such as uh, Greg Gates has more, uh, has more life um, as an example and that coincides uh coincides with the anime where he I, if i remember correctly the character uh was portrayed as this guy that uh had a lot of luck and was impossible to kill um guy of many lives uh so his plane uh being able to sustain more damage uh i was able to kind of put that together and i'm like oh that's pretty cool so and, and the game does does do things like that and um uh, each pilot starts out with uh, about three grand. Uh, they do start out with the same plane, which doesn't match the anime, but I, I imagine that was just kind of a uh, limitation of the time uh, because you get to upgrade pl planes later, and that gives more choice to the character. Uh, so you're 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 even though you're in the same plane, they have different capabilities. Um, yeah. There's no password system. And uh, you do get three lives and three continues, so essentially uh, six lives. No. Nine. Nine lives. <laughs> Sounds about right. Bad. Yeah. Um, so I think that was that was enough. It, it definitely gives you uh, <clears throat> enough time and, and uh, space to play at the same time, uh, giving you kind of... Well, it gives more longevity to the game and gets you encourages you to get better at it. Um, this game gets an easy pass from me. It, it was surprising. It's surprisingly one of the better uh, side-scrolling shooters I've ever played, and yeah. uh, I will be looking uh, for. The other thing is uh, only the name changed. One last comment: only the name changed. Yeah. Everything else stayed the same about the Japanese version. Yeah. I also liked how there was sort of a strategy element to this game because whenever he... oh, do tell is remember how there's like this this map screen with all these different things on it. Sometimes there's mm -hmm. tanks or planes in one square or a submarine in another square and sure. other. And then there's like enemy bases in another square, and with each uh, skirmish that you do. The tanks, planes, or submarines will move closer to the your main base, and so if one of them reaches there, then you have by default you have to go back to your own base and fend off the attack. So, sort of a makes you decide: Do I want to take out these planes and tanks preemptively, or go straight to one of the bases? And I, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did like that too, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. easy pass Tori, for me as well. Does it get a pass from you? Colin passed it. I passed it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. 
Hooray! We have a game we all like. <laughs> yeah. It's never gonna happen again. Yeehaw! <laughs> well, Tori, we're uh, we're back to you. I'm back. What to is uh, what? Yeah. What is our fourth game we're discussing here over our- the theme anime retro games? Our first, our first, our fourth, our fourth, our fourth game is Ghost in the Shell for the PlayStation. <laughs> you know, based on that movie that people like called uh, <laughs> Spook in the uh, Machine. I don't know. Spook uh, in the Machine. <laughs> yep. Anyways, not uh, basically. Yeah, it's based on Ghost in the Shell, and uh, it was released in uh, Japan on July seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven. And uh, in North America on October 31st, 1997. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a game based on Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and basically, it's you follow Section 9, as you always do. And uh, you essentially play as the rookie, a new rookie. And uh, you are controlling a spider tank uh, called a Fujikoma. And you mm-hmm. go around and you complete missions and you kill people and you destroy other tanks and you fight bosses and yeah <laughs> pretty pretty simple concept uh, gameplay wise yes. uh, it was yeah it was developed by exact uh, the company that made uh, ape escape uh, and uh, the later gravity rush which Colin I know you're a fan of oh yeah very much so uh, published by Sony Computer Entertainment and um, they do own exact exact's always been a first party studio. Uh, for Sony, uh, so that that should give you a, a decent idea of how the game is. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Quality wise, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin, tell us more about the game and uh, your thoughts. I didn't manage to find a copy of this game anywhere, so I had to watch it. You on had to YouTube. emulate it. I get it. I get it. I get it. You had to emulate it. <laughs> no, I watched it on YouTube. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh it looked pretty cool. I mean, it it's got it's fast-paced without being overwhelming and some really good mechanics and graphics for a PS1 game. And I like how the the Fujikomas can actually navigate on walls like Spider-Man. <sighs> Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. When I was playing, when I was playing this uh, Ghost in the Shell game, I imme- that it immediately came to my mind. I was like, "Oh my god, you can move around like Spider Man, yeah. <laughs> in a spider tank, like uh, a spider pig can." <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like hanging from the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit of a shame that we don't get to play as the major or Bato on foot. <laughs> Since it seems all the gameplay is piloting the Fujikomas, I could totally see some stealth sections with the Major and run and gun sections with Bato and Melee as could well. I, could I interest you in the later be... Ghost in the Shell games? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Tori? Well, this isn't the only Ghost in the Shell game ever made. Oh, you don't you don't say? <laughs> do tell. Uh... All right. Well. Uh, the there there's a loose plot if you're familiar with the Ghost in the Shell anime. Uh, it's all it, it's uh, even even comparing to um, Standalone Complex, the anime that came out later. Uh, it's always some type of terrorist organization or um, kind of police crisis that they gotta that the that the group has to 
uh, fight against, and in, the, in this case, it was the Human Liberation Front claims responsibility of blowing up uh, the Megatech Body Corporation building, so think of, like, just future corporation t- talk babble. And uh, Section 9's got to stop them. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Very, very simple. Um, there's only there's twelve missions uh, with uh, with your Fuchikoma. Uh, it's not a it's not a terribly long game. Yeah, there was a mech game that we played on a past podcast episode, and it rem- this reminded me of it a lot. Uh, even I would have to go back and <clears throat> remember the title off the top of my head. I remember I, the game was just okay, uh, but the, Ghost in the Shell is definitely better. Comparing to it, just in my in my head, I I was trying to remember. I, I don't remember the title. I I do remember playing the type of game it was. Uh, I thought this game was incredibly faithful to the anime, especially since Production IG, the anime studio that was involved with uh, Ghost in the Shell, were the ones doing the FMV cutscenes. Yeah, and it really immersed me into the world. Oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot of that. I mean, even even just like. Not even just, like, the cutscenes, you even have the gameplay itself. When you, if you think about it, like, the first boss, that's a reference mm-hmm. to it. That's the reference to the uh, ending of uh, the original Ghost in the Shell movie, the tank. The Makoto yeah. fights at the end of the movie. You also have that, like, invisible woman that you fight. Uh, right, right. That's a reference to the movie. You have reference, a lot, lots of references to the manga as well. And just kind of... So even, even just when you play the game, there's a lot there. It's just like, ah, I recognize that. That's cool. yeah i'm a i'm a huge mark for anything ghost in the shell i mean i have uh the movie on blu-ray i have the the one that came out in 2015 on blu-ray i have the ovas uh both seasons of standalone comp i i love the ghost in the shell anime so when those cutscenes hit i i found myself like a little kid again just going "Ooh, what do they gotta do (laughs) (laughs) What did they go? What what techno babble are they gonna say next? Yeah. <laughs> techno babble's the best. Now allow me allow me to flex my weeb muscles a little bit. Okay, okay Tori, go because on. Because the reason why I even picked this game in the first place is because as we've all seen it, that open that opening sequence, the first thing you see that opening animated sequence, when you kind of get to see you know Makoto tied up in there, being mm-hmm. controlling the Fujikoma and whatnot. Yeah, right. All of, all of that good stuff. And I remember looking at that, and I went, that looks really cool. And it also looks familiar. Who did that? So I decided to look it up. And uh, I obviously, as you can see at the end as well, both the uh, on the staff for the animation, or key animation for this uh, game, uh, were uh, both the um, uh, Yoshinari brothers. Uh, Yo Yoshinari, who's famous for, especially recently, as the kind of poster boy for Trigger and creator of Little Witch Academia. The anime. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And his brother, who op- animated that opening sequence, Koyo Shinari, who is, has worked on a lot of stuff, kind of has ties to Trigger as well, but doesn't really work there. Doesn't really work there. He's more freelance. And, uh, and what I especially like is, when you see that uh, scene as well, it's his style of how he kind of blends, uh, or I wouldn't even say blend, because it isn't how he creates this illusion of 3D in his 2D, uh, 2D animation. Mm-hmm. Because they, obviously the entire opening sequence is 2D animated. And the way he just uses colors and weird techniques, I don't even know what he, what he does, to <laughs> make that kind of 
get the rather than kind of uh, limit himself to having movement on like a 2d plane so left or right he has basically he creates a 3d space and even creates uh three-dimensional like uh proportions on people using color saturation and whatnot and that just i thought that looked really cool yeah especially trying to uh <clears throat> mix mix that in with the limitations of the PlayStation itself and what it was capable of. Yeah. I yeah, I, I, I thought it was really impressive what they were able what they were able to animate in the FMVs. Mm-hmm. Um But I mean they have like really good apart from the Yoshinari brothers, you even have like uh Toshiyuki Inoue did a key animation for it and he is famous mm-hmm. for being as quoted by uh Satoshi Khan being the perfect animator. Uh he was the he was kind oh, of wow. he was very popular among people like Mamoroshi and uh, Satoshi Kon, they really loved using him, and he, he mostly animates movies, and he's just... He got that nickname because he produces high-quality animation, and he does so <laughs> incredibly fast. He <laughs> said nobody could animate could animate more than that, man. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I it's been a while, considering uh, I like FMVs. I don't know, they have a good charm to them uh, as a retro gamer. I mean, shit, I like the 3DO, and that's, like, nothing but FMV-type games. <laughs> uh, and and th- this kind of blew my mind away of what, what how it looked and um, how faithful it was to Ghost of the Shell. Uh, I do have some quality-of-life um, issues with the game itself, and it's just mostly just a product of the time. Uh, naturally, there's going to be some camera issues with your Fuchikoma, yeah. the spider tank, as it's going up walls. Sometimes your camera will get uh, stuck uh, behind things or onto things. Um, and then, uh, there, since there was, since it lacked the uh, second analog stick, uh, kind of like Doom, where when you, uh, it, it just automatically locks on the up and down axis, the Y axis. Hmm. Uh, it just does it automatically here as well, uh, but you do have to uh, turn on the x-axis uh, left and right, and and you'll fire en- fire at enemies that way. Uh, but going along the walls kind of saves that uh, less immersion mechanic of being able to <clears throat> fire on that y-axis uh, the way you want. Uh, so that was just some minor minor things i the, the more i played the more i was i, and I didn't really care because i was just hey i'm in a tank uh i want to know what the next cutscene is going to be i, wa- I want to know more of the story i, I want to blow up the next giant tank laser that's going to fire at me next you know that's how i felt uh while playing it did you guys uh, feel any anything similar i mean obviously colin you looked at a youtube video because <laughs> you weren't able to find this game but uh what did you did you feel anything while watching the YouTube videos or Tori when you emulated this? Did you feel any of that? I mean, I like I did both, but uh, no, I def- definitely did. Like there was uh, just kind of, I mean, obviously, me being me, I was just nerd gasping, going, like, "Yeah, I get to ride around the Fujikoma and kill shit." Fuck yeah, sure, sure. That's <laughs> and just kind of like that whole whole like, "Oh, you're a rookie in Section Nine. Oh, the major is barking at me. She's mad at me for some reason." Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's that you know there's that there is that you know inner nerd that just kind of gets out for the stupidest reasons and like i said the references and whatnot just kind of like i know that i know what they're trying to say <laughs> uh but yeah no i i definitely enjoyed myself like i said i 
<laughs> I was I was one who picked this game, and I really wanted to wanted to try it. So I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I'm very ha- I'm very happy you picked it. And uh, and uh, I had a person on Twitter DM me what was the price of the Area 88 game. It was uh, twenty five dollars. That's generally what it goes for. And Ghost in the Shell also goes for about twenty five dollars USD. By the way. <clears throat> and I take most of these prices from price charting. Uh, it's kind of like an overall uh, outlook uh, from Amazon, eBay, and a bunch of other outlets. Uh, I like PriceCharting.com. It kind of gives you a good idea of how much a game's worth in today's market. So, uh, Colin. Yes. Final thoughts over Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, looks okay. I... Did you nerdgasm like me and Tori? <laughs> I don't think so. Did you have to change your pants after getting the major barked at you? No. <laughs> oh, probably, are you listening to this just, guy over here? Probably just not as into Ghost in the Shell as you two. Uh, it's fine. I mean, it gets a soft pass from me. A soft pass. Well, I suppose I can be okay with that. Tori, do we? Do we? Do we? Are we gonna go easy on him, or do we have to kill him? I, Bring I it. I think this is the end. This is the end? Yep. <laughs> Sorry, Colin, you're being replaced by the best host. <laughs> Bring it. Uh... <laughs> well, alright. Ghost in the Shell uh, gets, regardless of Colin's soft pass thoughts, it gets a pass from me and Tori. Uh, it's very faithful to the anime and does a good job of it. Uh, I My favorite part was definitely the cutscenes, and I think that's kind of what they were going for. Oh, most yeah. Likely. Yeah. And then they wouldn't put so much into that, into that if that wasn't kind of the uh, the point for you know for right. the for as basic as the story isn't kind of just like oh we are infiltrating the well we're infiltrating this building actually never mind there's terrorists I was like oh kill them <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like all right oh, sure I guess but it's like you know whatever it's Ghost in the Shell that's that's what they do ish alrighty uh Colin. What is our fifth out of six games? What's it the fifth is, one? It is Vampire Hunter D for the PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. You it don't was, say. It was released <laughs> in Japan on December 9th of 1999 and North America September 25th, 2000. Developed by Victor Interactive Software, who created KO Flying Squadron, and published by Jalico, who did Super Bases Loaded. Yeah, just a baseball franchise. If that's in any indication, then we're in for something special, obviously. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I personally never watched any of Vampire Hunter D. Okay. I did see an anime abandoned review of it. And Bennett did not like it, although he has gone on record that he hates vampire fiction in general. <laughs> and it was the original. Well, you will be good. You'll be uh, good knowing that this isn't based off of the first Vampire Hunter D movie. It's based on the second one, Bloodlust. Yeah. And in my opinion, the better one. <laughs> well, it certainly looks better from what I've seen. <clears throat> Go on. How about the? How about more about this uh, vampire game? Did yeah. it did it get the D, or did it give you the D? <laughs> <laughs> Gave me the finger, is what? <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> yeah, seems to be a pretty basic plot. Yet another damsel in distress scenario. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> Our protagonist, D, has been hired to rescue a rich man's daughter who was kidnapped by vampires. And it's that's pretty much it. Although he seems to be in a bit of a rival scenario with a, another bunch of bounty hunters who are attempting the same mission. Now, I will For say, nefarious means. Yeah. I will say yeah. the opening FMV sequence is really impressive for the time. At least, it's at least on the level of Final Fantasy VII. Hmm. I suppose. And the in-game graphics are good, too. It, it, I think it was closer to Resident Evil 1. I am. Uh, in what Capcom did... Uh, with their FMVs at the time. Ah, yeah. And uh, I tried to find a <clears throat> any articles that confirmed this, because I have a, uh, had a sneaky suspicion that, that uh, Victor Interactive, uh, the developer of the game, used the same engine that Capcom used for uh, Resident Evil 1 and Dino Crisis. Uh, but I wasn't able to confirm it. It's just my suspicion. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and there's many other reasons. There's a few other reasons why uh, why I think that. <laughs> yeah, the the gameplay itself is reminiscent of classic Resident Evil as well because it's got like the fixed camera angles. Mm-hmm. Although that seems to make and the ass controls to go with it. <laughs> yeah, really. It's very oh. awkward combat since at times you can't tell one one where one character is in relation to another because non-existent depth perception. Mm-hmm. And that is, given yeah. That they really tried to make this into a survival horror game, uh, yeah. which I think was a major misstep, personally. Yeah, I mean, that's not the kind of thing that Vampire Hunter D is. He's supposed to be the badass character, like Kenshiro. Yeah, it's supposed to be an action game. Yeah, that's what it should have been, not this Resident Evil type nonsense. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so the difference between this and Resident Evil is you have a sword and magic spells as opposed to, uh, a shitty pistol that you can actually aim on a fixed axis. Uh, instead you have a sword on a fixed axis where (laughs) you can't move and swing your sword at the same time (laughs) because I guess you want to be scared of these enemies that move incredibly slow and have delayed reactions as well as your own delayed reactions with the controls such as you <laughs> want to uh dodge because there's a mechanic there's a what what tori what I, what, I, what? I, I for one was very scared when i ran past the enemies not even caring <laughs> uh oh no another fixed camera angle ah <laughs> oh no this enemy he sees me i have to move to the side yeah, uh, every single enemy lo- moves like wet cardboard. Uh, they immediately get stunned, mostly to your sword attack. If you know it actually hits the enemy or the game registers it, uh, and that includes boss battles too. So you know, spooky, scary boss that doesn't attack you. Are you telling me <laughs> the boss battles? How are nightmarish! Fantastic? Oh god, yeah, nightmarish because of the control scheme. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the other frustrating part were the items were 
worthless. Ah, yeah. Worthless. Most notably, I must say, was the grenade. Because I threw one, and I go, is it going to explode? <laughs> is it going to explode? Come on, grenade. You can explode. Oh, my God, cat! stop hitting my microphone. Get, get out of here. <laughs> oh, he's bad. He's all over the place today. Uh... So I so I threw another one and I hit my stopwatch and I'm like one, two, nope, still going. Three. Eleven seconds for a grenade to explode. Huh. From the moment you throw it and it hits the ground. Is that 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 to me that was insane because then I, I, I get that the enemies move like wet cardboard. But they but they're the grenade takes so long, even the slow enemy <laughs> can walk past <laughs> it without getting hurt. You have to like anticipate uh, you you have to like drop it in front of you, or or really back up and throw it, so they will eventually walk into the grenade. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, uh, there, even the magic spells were like were pretty much useless. There was a uh, there was like a stun lock magic spell, but mostly I ended up just using the spells to for self healing because you lose life way too easily. Uh, if you do do get hit, um, the delayed do- dodge mechanic equals the delayed bullshit of the enemies. Uh, I believe it's tied into the character animation, such as the cape movement and whatnot. Uh, I think that was the issue that they were dealing with. They were trying to animate too many things within the uh, polygonal uh, characters, rather than just having them kind of in this uh, singular polygon, kind of like what... Uh, Laura Croft is in the earlier Tomb Raider games. Um, <laughs> I think the game should have been like Soul Reaver and not like Resident Evil, basically. Uh, just how we mentioned that it should have been an action game instead of the survival horror that they were trying to go for. Ah, yeah. Um, so, Colin, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. Give me, give me, give me your thoughts over all of this vampire hunter in your D stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much gave all my thoughts. I was only able to watch it on YouTube because again couldn't find a copy but mm-hmm. yeah I can't say I'm particularly impressed it doesn't doesn't really sell me I'm just gonna give it a fail right off the bat what do you what do you think could have been improved in this game to make you let, let's say it stays in the survival horror sense uh, what do you think could have been improved well no fixed camera angles for one just make it Make it a little more, a little more like Silent Hill, I guess. In that sense. Okay. Because that that lends itself a little. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't catch that. You you kind of cut out a bit there. I feel like the Silent Hill way of doing things lends oh, itself okay. a little. Silent Hill. A little better to like hack and slash, with uh, the way D's character operates. Yeah, that that would have been, that probably would have been interesting. Uh, for sure, because obviously we're talking about the first Silent Hill, right? Yeah, this is a PS One game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know if they would have been capable of doing that because what made what made the Silent Hill game work was the fact that uh they they used the fog to kind of cut out a lot of the backgrounds and things in the distance. Yeah, it's true. Uh, being that this game takes place basically in a mansion and other other similar like tight corridors just like in Resident Evil 
Uh, I don't know if they would have been able to pull that off. Yeah, in that case, they could have. It would have been interesting to see it, see it try. Though. They could have maybe done it, like, top down. Of course, they would what probably, do you mean? Have to, probably have to downgrade the graphics a little. But if it were, like, say, the game loaded, just off the top of my head. But then again, hmm. this is a sword I game. I wonder. It is a sword game. Uh, I think they could have kept the fixed camera angle. Uh, man, if you could just run around and not have the sword be locked into you just standing there, that would have been much better. Uh, yeah, the game would have been a thousand times easier, but I definitely would have enjoyed it more. I feel. Ah, yeah. Because as soon as as soon as I hit an, I, I would find an enemy, and then I would just be standing there going wow 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 wow, you know, in like that X motion that he has the sword. Um, oh God, the voice acting was definitely notable, like early PlayStation voice acting, <laughs> where it was just awful, just awkward. Every everything seemed like you had to hit the X button in order for the uh, <laughs> dialogue yeah. to continue. Just terrible voice acting. Yeah. I th- this game was so frustrating cuz visually I think it looks good for the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 99 2000. I think it's passable. Uh yeah, okay, the character models and the uh the early Resident Evil 1 type FMV sequences uh y- you know, it, they're product of the time. I think it passes there as well. But once you get into the gameplay, that's just when you start going, this is ass. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about this just wasn't wasn't enjoyable, and I feel like it, it easily could have been. But JD, just a, you don't play a game for the gameplay. God. Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> play it because of the the title alone, right? That's yep. why that's why movie games are always so popular and always so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tori, do you have any uh, final thoughts over Vampire Hunter the D? Yeah, it was ass. Oh, I didn't like it. Not at all. I like literally. When I was just encountering enemies, it was kind of just like I don't even know where to go. But fuck, I I can't be ass wasting time like fighting you. So I just try to run around them if I could. Usually could. Yeah, and that and that's what you do in Resident Evil too. You don't actually fight most of the things. You just run around and try and figure out where to go and what to do. Solve the crazy cryptic puzzles. Uh, Vampire Hunter D just it just felt like a, a task. And really? I'm like, and I don't need to fight this guy. Well, what do I do? Oh, I can block. Oh, I, I just block and then I attack. Okay, I see. <laughs> I, I'm having, I'm having a blast. Yeah. <laughs> well, this game is only worth ten bucks. I think that's uh, uh, too much for the game. Actually, <laughs> I think you're overpaying. I think they should give you ten dollars <laughs> to take this, take the game off their hands. I was about to say you couldn't give me this game for free. <laughs> yeah. You got anything else? <laughs> Maybe a ghost in the well, shell. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got one more game to cover. Oh, by the way, Vampire Hunter D. If you couldn't tell, gets a fail from me. I Same. totally pass it. <laughs> oh. Colin, do you pass it or fail? Great game. Ten out of ten. <laughs> All right. Ten out of ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, our last game is Sword of the Berserk, Guts Rage, uh, based on the anime Berserk, no. or the manga of the same name. Uh, the game came out on the Dreamcast, uh, Japan, uh, December 16th, 1999, 
February 29th, 2000 North America. Developed by Ukes, uh, which is more commonly associated with now the WWE 2K games. Hmm. Published by Eidos Interactive, the same people uh, of Tomb Raider, uh, a subsidiary of Square Enix. Hold on here. How can it come out in 2000? How can it come out after Y2K? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) The world ended. (laughs) So this game game has... uh, Oh my god. Where do I begin? It it has early use of QuickTime events, QTEs. Uh, which I found interesting. It's used to determine different uh, different paths you can take since the game is mostly linear, but then it, it gets you to do uh, other things. So, for example, there's there's a scene where you're going across a wooden bridge over a canyon. Uh, if you don't do the quick time event uh, quick enough, hence the the word quick and the quick time, uh, you can either make it across the bridge, which will take you down one path, or you'll fall uh, into the canyon. So. <laughs> Uh, interesting aspects of that uh, through the way of telling the story and get you to uh, get some replay value out of the game, you might say. <clears throat> so, uh, a notable change was made uh, between the Japanese and the North American version. Uh, the and, and this this is interesting. The game was made thirty percent more bloody for the West. Why? I don't know, as opposed to the other games, like Fist of the North Star game we play, we uh, we talked about earlier, where the game was heavily censored, and all the blood and gore was taken out. This one was upscaled. <laughs> so, for example, uh, when you cut a body in half, or what have you, you would actually spill blood, spew blood Kill Bill style in the uh, Western version, as opposed to just being cut in half in the Japanese version. So, I honestly can't complain about that. <laughs> I, I just have to ask, like, what is it with Japan? What do they have against Berserk? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do they keep, do they keep doing is, this? Because Guts isn't an effeminate-looking uh, male protagonist. It's, kind of, it's the same, it's the same reason we got Vaughn like, as the main you know, protagonist in Final Berserk Fantasy Berserk is obviously for a fairly beloved manga. But like when That's it comes theory, to anyway. whether it's yes, an anime or a game or whatever, it's usually Hello? just not good. <laughs> It's Visually, good. it's it's not the most uh, appealing thing in the world, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even still, it's kind of like, even there, it's like, you know, to make it less bloody, it like, or have the Japanese version be less bloody, it's kind of like, it's berserk. It, it's, a manga, it's a manga that, you know, revels in his misery. Everyone's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, you don't understand. There is no such thing as, oh, this is the worst that could have happened. Of course it isn't. It could go so much worse. I, it's kind of like just... It's something that just likes to kick you while you're down. <laughs> right? So it's just kind of like... I feel like, is this like Japan retaliating against Berserk? They're like, nah, you don't get good anime. You don't get good games. Fuck you, Kentaro Miura. <laughs> uh, who also actually helped out in this game. Did he now? I didn't know that. I wasn't. A- I was looking for that. I, I wasn't able to find a uh, confirmation if he was actually involved with it. From what I heard, he was uh, involved in writing a bit of the story, or helping it fit to the game. Uh... Yeah, I mean the story was simple enough. The plot was your typical damsel in distress uh, scenario, uh, mm-hmm. and you just got to cut your way through demons, and and uh, your missions are to do various things to save villagers from other demons until you get to the uh, ultimate goal. 
a very short and simple plot, I must say. Yeah. And uh, thank God it was simple because it, it could have gotten way overly complicated and dumb. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Colin, what did you think of Sword of the Berserk, Gutsu Rage? EDC'd. <laughs> Colin? EDC'd. Did he? Yes. Oh, he's completely gone. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> not awkward at all. Nope. Okay, Tori, tell us, tell me about the game then. Uh, well, it's a berserk game. <laughs> uh, you control guts, you kill shit. Uh, I'm not. A, I wasn't a huge fan of this game. It's that was okay. Uh, like. There are aspects of it that I like. It's kind of like, you know, I like that they kind of made a point of the, uh, of, you know, being guts. And what I mean by that is kind of like, you know, he wears heavy armor, he swings around a heavy sword. So a lot of the combat and a lot of the fighting with him, you you obviously, you feel that, that sword, when you swing it around, it's a heavy sword. It's not. Oh, sure, yeah. You can't just, like, swing it wildly. <laughs> uh, so... Not being Kinda. able to swing it wildly, uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, so you know, stuff like that, I I did appreciate. But then you know, you also have that have that like kind of point where it's like it's cool that they did that, but at the same time, is it fun? <sighs> Not always. Uh, the so there were definitely some gameplay stuff there, and then. You know, you have camera angle angle shit mm-hmm. going on there as well, right? Where it's just like, you yeah, enter a room yeah. and the camera is literally in the goddamn wall. And you can see just like a sliver of the room. It's like a sliver of the room in the fucking... But you can't see anything. You're getting bum-brushed by enemies. It's like, fucking... What is... What's going on? I can't see anything. <laughs> uh... So, yeah, that's definitely like that. that's definitely a product of the time. Uh, you definitely know what games stand out when they are able to execute uh, the limited camera well. Uh, this game definitely suffered from a lot of like okay, comparing Ghost in the Shell's camera, yeah, it got stuck or hit every now and again in a wall, but it it, it was just it was so minimal that it didn't really it didn't really affect my overall viewpoint of the game. In the the sort of the berserk. Uh, the camera definitely suffered a lot more, and it made it noticeable. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you even have the stuff, like, when you're in the, uh, in, like, the dungeon area there, right, mm. right in the beginning as well. It's so confined, and that sword is so big. So you're trying to swing it around, and it's just like, nope, hit the wall, nope, hit the wall, no, hit the wall. It's like, ugh. <laughs> yes, and that's that's where when you when you made the comment, uh, you're not being able to swing it wildly. This game suffered so much in stages, and there's too many of them where you're in like city alleys. The cave level was unbearably frustrating because you just found yourself hitting the fucking walls all the time. I would have rather had the, just seen the sword go through the walls if that was the case. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously, uh, the Dragon Slayer is a just gigantic hunk of metal. <laughs> it is yeah, not a this, small like, 12, sword. Yeah, it's this 12-foot, like, one-ton weighing sword that Guts has to wield around. And, I, I mean, I did like the aspect of the control scheme where uh, each face button would do a different angle of attack. Mm. So, like, 
Um, if you're, uh, I don't know how many people know the layout of the Dreamcast controller off the top of their head, but in, in terms of PlayStation, it would be like the triangle button uh, would swing uh, downward, square would swing uh, a little left to right, and um, circle would be right to left. Uh, so that was really cool. Instead of having, let's say, a second analog stick, which the Dreamcast controller doesn't have, uh, to swing instead. So it kind of tried to incorporate this twin stick sort of controls to it. Hmm. Um, as I... Uh... Alrighty. So... <clears throat> the... Um... <sighs> As for, as for, okay, so graphically, I thought this game looked fantastic, especially for the time, and on the Dreamcast to boot. Uh, it looked really good, I liked uh, the character models, um, what did you think of, what would you think of how it looked, Tori? I mean, obviously, I can't really compare, as I've never had a Dreamcast, uh, so I don't really know much about, uh, what yeah. games looked like on the Dreamcast. Well, you, you had to emulate but, the shit uh, out of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, and, but, like, I did appreciate some of, like, the, uh, the texture rendering and whatnot. It did, like, it didn't look that, it didn't look that bad. Like, I was just kind of, like, I remember seeing some, like, paintings and stuff like that, and it looked pretty nice. So, yeah, it's not like, it's not like, you know, that horror vision that I get when I think of old games, and it's just like, ah, oh, blocky pieces of trash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, nah, it, it kind of, I'm not gonna say it blew me away, but it did. It wasn't as it didn't look as bad as I was afraid that it would. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat as you because when I, like you said earlier, when I when I think of Berserk being made into something of movement, <laughs> uh, it doesn't come off very well. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and this game was a pleasant surprise. Uh, the gameplay was all right when you weren't in those. Uh, crazy corridors, because I do like the control scheme. I do like the feel of guts swinging this giant hunk of metal around and and decapitating things in half, and that was it. All felt really cool when it was finally executing correctly, uh, which I think was like fifty fifty most of the time uh, when you weren't hitting a fucking wall. Uh, the the um. The kind of the desert wasteland area stage comes to mind for when when that is executed well. Because uh, you're in an open space, you're you're fighting multiple enemies, and you're able to swing your sword uh, freely. <clears throat> Obviously not super fast, uh, because of how heavy it is, and it does make the, the sword feel heavy. Now, there is an aspect to the game where when you lose X amount of health, you can activate what's called Berserk Mode. Yes. Screen flashes into this like dark reddish type scheme, and uh, you go into just this super... So similar to uh, the, the, the Dragon Ball speed up mechanic when you get the panties <laughs> it's something like that where now guts just goes all wacky he can swing the sword freely as fast as he wants and he can move freely as fast as he wants now of course if you activate this in this like the city village alleyways or the cave it's worthless because you'll just be hitting the wall over and over again <laughs> nah, you'll do uh, more but, damage. but you'll do a lot more damage swing a lot faster and because of this, I did notice, like, once every, I want to say, three sword swings, the sword would go through the wall. 
<laughs> because the animation of the sword and I get I guess how fast they wanted to to do it, uh, the clipping just didn't. It 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 was occurring through the wall <laughs> every now and again, and I was like, okay, that's actually good. <laughs> yeah. Not often you can say say where the game's glitching out and it's actually for the benefit of the game. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the enemy designs in the game? Uh, I didn't really look that closely at them. Um, so you had like mutant turkeys, dogs yeah. with kind of I, Resident Evil pumpkin heads on uh, foreheads. I mean, it's uh, kind of had... it's kind of what I think of. Like, I think of I just kind of think of Berserk with it because it is like, you know, Berserk land. You face all kinds of horrible shit, whether it be regular people or just fucking demons. So it's kind of like they did. They did that. It was. I thought some of them weren't exactly. I'm not exactly gonna say they look. They looked great, but yeah, they they gave that berserk vibe of just all kinds of fucked up creatures lives and live in this world that some humans okay. yeah. also live in. Yeah, I I I, th- I thought it was pretty cool that everything's uh, tied to the the mandragora, which was this like. Yes. demon demonic plant thing and all the enemies were changed into the deme- demonic plants including humans uh in various ways and of course you got to go full zombie mode on the more common enemies which i was okay with uh pretty cool concept simple enough it definitely ties i feel into the spirit of the berserk universe and if and if what you said is correctly correct with uh miyahara Miura. um me, or Miura, yeah, Miyahara. God, I got Japanese names just flowing in my head. Um, Miyara, <clears throat> uh, having part in writing the story, then yeah, it, it, it all ties together and makes sense. Um, yeah. By the way, the main enemy name of the game is uh, Baron Balzac. Yes. So, uh, fantastic. Balzac. The best name. Am I right? Yeah, no, um... I refuse to believe anyone that says that that was not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't care. Balsack was totally on purpose. I don't care 100%. what they say. I don't care. No, the Japanese doesn't really understand naming of it. No, they did that on purpose. You can't convince me that was not on purpose. <laughs> Berserk has weird names. Some of the names make sense, and then others are just totally outlandish. But, like, yeah. that's... No. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, <laughs> I loved uh, watching uh, YouTubers, especially Americans, try to explain Puck in this game because I was so curious to what like <laughs> other people thought of the game as well. I, I it's it's become I think the last like two or three podcasts now. Once I'm done uh, making my notes for the game, what I think about it, I I look up what YouTubers are also thinking of the uh, of these things and uh. Whenever it came to explaining Puck, this uh, this naked fairy uh, that's in the Berserk universe, for those that are familiar with Berserk, uh, Puck makes sense in terms of Berserk and the story and the characters, uh, but to the Western audience, it was hilarious <laughs> watching them react to it. Uh, Tori, what do you think their reaction of Puck? Well, what did you think of Puck in the game? Was he... Was he Puck? <laughs> Uh, I didn't really get that far. Um, okay. So I didn't really properly experience uh, Puck. I, 
from what little I did, yeah, he is. He's kind of, you know, following Casca around, still completely mind broken. Um, right. Following Casca mm. around, kind of like, no, don't go there, don't do that. But, you know, realistically, he can't actually do anything because he's weak as hell. Still maintaining some of that like funny charm that he that he has. It's yeah, I like Puck. Puck is alright. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So the um <clears throat> the uh, the YouTuber's reaction to Puck was, "What the fuck is this naked fairy doing here? He's so annoying. I hate him. I don't understand." <laughs> and obvi- I-, I can already see a Japanese person just being like, Puck, I love him! Oh my god, he's great, he's here. And for those uh, listening to live stream, I'm trying to pull Colin back in. He uh, he got totally disconnected from the internet. So Nice. Yeah, now, uh, I mean, just Puck, he is that, like, you know, when it comes to Berserk... Alright, when it comes to Berserk... Um, what I what I like about Puck is that he is that dire need of comedy that that series needs, because without Puck, that shit is depressing as hell. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it, the it's a comic relief character, and you it's not just a comic relief, um, so to say, it's also a spiritual relief. <laughs> oh yeah, no, like that that thing that manga that. Show it, it aims to break because, like, like I said, there is nothing that is like the worst thing that could happen in that series. There's always something worse that can happen, and just it keeps descending more and more into despair, fucking madness. And it loves, like, it just loves to show people and, like, especially humans as the most horrible, despicable people or things imaginable. There is nothing good that comes out of, uh. Yeah, comes out of most people in that series. And, you know, when you take into account the world, it makes sense. Uh, but, like, with all the depressing stuff that happens, you need a character like Puck to kind yeah. of just, you know, lighten the mood at least a little bit every once in a while. Oh, yeah, because uh, there, there's a lot of scenes in this game, like, essentially every mission that you do for the villagers or even a villager... Uh, that villager always seems to go through this horrible twist of fate. Uh, the, um, for example, in the early game, you you meet a Mandragora. A villager pulls it out of the ground, turns everyone into zombies, including himself, and then you have to kill him. So, <laughs> yay! <laughs> typical, typical berserk. Uh, Colin, we have you back. Finally, I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back. Uh, what what are your thoughts over sort of the berserk gut rage game? Guts rage, gut rage, guts rage. Uh, gameplay wise, story wise, uh, positives, negatives. Uh, just to get you back on up to speed here. Yeah. So, one of the first things I noticed when I was watching this game on YouTube again <laughs> is uh, seems like all of the characters' movements in the cutscenes have the exact same speed and way of moving. It's like sort of hypnotic and not in a particularly good way just looks like everything's moving in some kind of trance not very convincing berserk with bad animation no way <laughs> that's new <laughs> That'd be a first. Uh. i mean the character models are decent looking but the visuals overall are kind of plain and muddy looking 
Although I do kind of like the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it had that kind of metalish type vibe to to yeah. it going on. Yeah, sure. But yeah, the way it plays looks kind of clunky and glitchy. It's like the swords, the sword hits really don't look satisfying at all. It's like you don't really feel like you're hitting something similar to what Golden Axe had. And for a character with a giant sword, said sword doesn't really seem to do much damage to the enemies. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it does take a while to actually kill something. I know what you mean. I mean. It took like 10 or 15 hits for him to take down a single bandit. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, you, you would think that uh, to keep the spirit of the anime it, for regular enemies, it should just be one, ki- one hit kill type stuff. Yeah, really. You think ah, that would have made the game a bit better, Tori? That would have been way too easy. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The, honestly, it's it's like if the, the spirit of Berserk is kind of there is a lot of there is a lot of like one hit kills, but the problem is that that goes all that goes like every way, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you don't really capture the spirit of Berserk in a game because there's this you know there's also this kind of uh, implementation of you know it needs to be a bit challenging as well. And, you know, yeah, but how... against bandits? Yeah, but like how, like take how like a fight would happen in Berserk, for example. Like a fight can be challenging, but that isn't because you know it takes guts a hundred swings of his sword or a hundred cuts with his sword to kill something. It's because landing that hit is incredibly hard. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you would then have to kind of program enemies are fucking dodging. They have ways of escape stuff like that. I, just, I don't know. I just feel like that. But for a Dreamcast game, I don't think that would necessarily work that well. But I don't know. Well, well one thing again, I found... Berserk doesn't have good games. Berserk doesn't get good at anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I did beat this game. Um, it, it was mildly satisfying and okay, I suppose. Just a lot of things were frustrating. And uh, I did t- end up timing the... Uh, the amount of time the FMV sequences occur, and how long I ended up, how long it took me to, to beat the to play and beat the game. Uh, if you cut out all of the FMV sequences, the game's only about two and a half to three hours long. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very short, uh, and the price of entry is twenty five dollars. So if you think that's worth it, and what we've said about the game is something you'd be interested in, then uh, then go for it. Um, but uh, I don't have much else to say about Sword of the Berserk Guts Rage. Do you guys? Uh, last thing I want to say is, why does Puck and every other character, for that matter, keep calling him Gatsu? It's so annoying. His name is in the freaking title. His, uh, the way his the name Japanese changes. Speak, bro. No, no, that has nothing to do with it. But the, the game is called the Guts' with, Rage. Yeah. The thing, with no Ga- the thing with Gatsu is that his name... Like, especially when it comes to, like, the uh, American localization and whatnot. It changes all the goddamn time. I heard, uh... What was it? Uh, best Friend Plays. I heard they, them talking about it as well. And apparently, even in, the even in like, the titles and fucking descriptions of the game, <laughs> they keep changing it. Uh. For some, some places it says Guts, other places it says Gatsu. And it's just, like, there is no consistency. Because apparently no <laughs> one actually knows that his name is Guts. <laughs> so yeah it's ridiculous I think some people even think it's, he's called Berserk which is I think is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not <laughs> because his name's Guts <laughs> no no his name's clearly Berserk now 
<laughs> it's sort of berserk. That's berserk. He's berserk. <laughs> this is berserk, man. <laughs> oh boy. With it, with his, with his companion protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh boy. And his mentally challenged girlfriend. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I can't give Sword of the Berserk a pass at the end of the day. Uh, there's too many frustrating gameplay mechanics, and and uh, uh, nothing drove me more insane than constantly hitting walls with the giant sword. Uh, so. yeah. All the fun. Yeah. yeah. Fail for uh, me too. Well, anyways, our uh, I, I can't imagine you guys are gonna pass this either. Nope. Well, hi. What do you know? No, no, not at all. No. Uh, it's just go read a manga. <laughs> <laughs> you won't pursue it. Ni- and, and I would say watch the '90s anime. I, 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 I quite liked it. So, uh, just a recap of the six games we covered on this theme: anime games, retro anime games, uh, Dragon Ball, Shenlong no Nazo, aka Dragon Power, uh, Shin Sekimatsu Kyosho Denatsu Hokoto no Ken, aka Last Battle. <laughs> so bad. For the Sega Genesis, Hepburn Area Hachi Juhachi, uh, aka UN Squadron for the uh, Famicom Super Nintendo, Ghost <laughs> in the Shell for the PlayStation, Vampire Hunter D for the PlayStation, and Sword of the Berserk Gotsu Rage for the Dreamcast. <laughs> Gotsu Rage. Colin, what was your favorite and least favorite game of the cast? Uh, by far, my favorite was UN Squadron, aka Area 88. Mm-hmm. It's just the most satisfying, the most playable, just the best overall. Easy win. And your least favorite? I'm torn between Vampire Hunter D or Berserk. Oh. I'm. I think I'm probably the two, gonna... the two most. Uh... Recent games on the cast, you might say. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to say Vampire Hunter D. Just Understandable. (laughs) (laughs) Tori, favorite and least favorite, good sir. My favorite is easy. My favorite is Ghost in the Shell. Uh, Just a ton of fun. Again, I nerd out to that game more than anything else. (laughs) It just hits me in all the right spots. Uh, And just generally fun to watch uh and play <laughs> but uh <laughs> let's see least favorite um i'm torn between dragon ball and uh, vampire hunter d uh but i think i'm gonna give it to vampire hunter d just because i expected more from that than i did from <laughs> dragon ball and vampire hunter d just let me down hard <laughs> fair enough okay well <clears throat> my uh, my favorite is uh, UN Squadron uh, Area 88 game. Um, honestly, it's not close. Uh, Ghost in the Shell is an easy second, and then it went downhill from those two uh, pretty fast. Uh, my least favorite is the Fist of the North Star game, for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. It is hard mediocrity. Hard. I mean, <laughs> you can play one level, and then you, got, you, you know the game. <laughs> yeah. Really, nothing else to play. Uh, I didn't. I, it was heavily censored and uh, graphically downgraded uh, when it was brought to the West. Uh, and even with the bodies exploding, uh, sure, it's a quality of life improvement, but the game really doesn't change all that much for me. So, 
but it seemed like Ocean of Shell and UN Squadron, uh, Air EDA, were easy passes, and the rest were uh, flaming piles of nonsense afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, two out of six. We get uh, the anime retro games get a, gets a fail. Uh, I think we've covered a few other anime-type games. Uh, the Mecha episode... Uh, Tech Romancer, I believe, was on there. Uh, obviously, the Sailor Moon beat 'em up game on yeah. Super Nintendo. I'm sure uh, that was well received. That was like well there, received. <laughs> hey, we found it not to be terrible. <laughs> to be terrible, so. Just like on the anime cast. But Tori, I would like I would like to uh, thank you so much for coming on this retro gaming episode. Uh, yeah. I believe you've uh, one episode in. You're already best host. I mean, that, that, that has to be right, correct? <laughs> that's my uh, that's my ability, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I guess we'll have to wait until the votes come in. So, oh where's sure. That, uh, where's the Colombian guy? <laughs> Where, where's our Where's our one Colombian fan out there? Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Well. Colin, thank you for joining me for yet another one. Hopefully, uh, I will see you uh, next weekend for the Retro Game Con. Yep. That uh, Kevin and I are going to. Yep. We'll, we'll have to, uh, fingers crossed for that one. Yep, I'll keep you posted on what, what I'll, where and when I'll be flying. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, and this has been Anime Episode 28. Again, if you've enjoyed the podcast episode and you want to uh, support us, I encourage it. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher Smart Radio and leave us a review of any kind. It's a good free way to help us out. You can find the Redleaf Retrocast, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all other podcasting outlets, with the exception of SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> you can join us on a YouTube page where we stream uh, stream some video games every now and again, uh, and every live stream is on there from the past in its raw format. <clears throat> and thank you so much for joining us, Anime Episode 28, Retro Gaming. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye, folks.